I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Dallas Cowboys fans, are you ready? Are you ready to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Are you ready to hear what I, the Bear of Texas, has to say regarding the Dallas Cowboys? Well then, grab a beer, have a seat, and buckle up. Because this ride will start out slow, but I guarantee you it will intensify by the second. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Cowboys Talk, the Dallas Cowboys discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. I am the host, the Bear of Texas, and it's my honor to welcome my good friend, fellow UNT grad and former roommate, Grant Higby. What's up, Grant? Alex, things are going great over here. Just wish the boys could have pulled it out. You doing all right this evening? Yeah, I'm doing all right despite the disappointing loss, but it is what it is, and at least at the end of the day, there's something to talk about, whether it's negative or positive. Oh boy, we have got a lot to dissect in this one. The defense that was non-existent, the record-setting day through the air for Dak Prescott, and the comeback that wasn't. Well, I guess without further ado, let's dive right in. We uh, we got a lot to cover in this one. Yes, we're not going to waste any more time, so first things first, another heartbreaking finish and we lost to the cleveland browns well uh the cleveland browns of this year not the browns of the past but they're uh i mean there's no way around it there's been a stigma against those boys up in cleveland for several years now they've been the brunt of many jokes uh they've been a very very abysmally run franchise and even though they've turned things around you know, when the schedule came out, I think the Cowboys looked at this one and a lot of their fans did as well and expected, you know, this was going to be one that they would uh, they cruise to a victory. And uh, when you look at an NFL schedule, wins are hard to get in the National Football League. And there's ones that you just feel like you should win. You've got to take advantage when you're playing an inferior opponent. And when the schedule was released, I think uh, I think a lot of guys in Big D thought this was one that the Cowboys really needed to roll into and come out with the W, and uh, it didn't happen today. Alex, why is that? Well, number one, our defense is still absolutely horrible. It seems to me that we still are unable to come to a game prepared. Now, if Jason Garrett were still here, Uh, The fans would be calling for his head Uh, uh, for many years past. Lack of preparedness has been one of the top criticisms of the Cowboys, uh, Cowboys fans about the team. And that frequently fell at the feet of Jason Garrett. Well, he's not here anymore. He uh, can't be the scapegoat for that criticism. It is now Mike McCarthy's show. And so um, I, I don't know. 
I don't know, Alex. What do you what do you make of this? Um, does does McCarthy get a grace period because he is with you know his first new team in over a decade, or were we expecting, uh, given his track record, a much more airtight um, and much more prepared team sooner? Well, for those, first of all, let me just say that based on what I've seen on social media, there are now Cowboy fans that want Mike McCarthy's head. Okay, enough already. Okay, number one, Mike McCarthy, his first season in Green Bay was not very good. Do you really expect a coach to take a team and them being dominant just like that? I mean, let, let me remind the world. Rome was not built in a day. The Allies did not win World War II in a day. A team can be built in a day, y'all. Okay, and this might sound like an excuse, but the fact that there was no OTAs, there was no minicamp, no true offseason, no traditional training camp, that has to affect the team a lot. And it may sound like an excuse, but if you know football well, it is true. Look, Mike McCarthy is obviously making mistakes, but you know what? Every single coach makes mistakes. I mean, Tom Landry even made mistakes. And it's very difficult for Mike McCarthy to start his career with the Cowboys like this because of all the drama surrounding... Uh, this virus that's making our lives hell, that's honestly quite effectively ruining our lives. But but for those who were always already saying, fire Mike McCarthy, okay, stop. Just stop it. I mean, you, you, you're, I, ma- you're making me puke. People like that make me puke. Well, I've got to say, as, as much as I love my Cowboys and, you know, as much as I, I might like Cowboys fans, got to say, going through social media, there's a lot of couch GMs in the bunch. And, uh, a lot of them act on gut instinct and knee-jerk reactions. Uh, thankfully, the guys calling the shots for the team don't go off of what they see on social media because, come on, it's it's too early to pull the plug on McCarthy. I know that the team has not, um, has not pulled out uh, as many wins to this point in the season as the fans would have liked and as, you know, as many as the team would have liked. But here is... Um, I mean, here's the reality of the situation. The NFC East is simply horrid. There is, uh, as bad as it has been so far for the Cowboys, the reality for them is that they still sit tied for first place, and it looks like it's going to remain that way. I think, uh, uh, what is it? I think right now that the New York Giants game is, oh, it just finished. So they are officially 0-4. Sitting at 0-4. Uh, the, Eagles, the Eagles are playing San Francisco later. Yeah, that's that's going to be a blowout. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe after this uh, gets uploaded, I'll be eating my words. But I, I don't see Philly rolling up into San Fran and winning that one on San Fran's turf. Uh, so, I, I really don't either. And and what's really humiliating, humili- humiliating, Grant, is the fact that there's a team without a freaking name that's winning the NFC East right now. Yeah, um... Being uh being tied in the standings atop the East with the Washington football team is <laughs> I mean I got I got to tell you when this year began saying that the Dallas Cowboys would be tied for the NFC East lead with the Washington football team at one and four that was a sentence I felt like I don't know I just kind of safely assumed I would never have to speak it that they would be one and four. That one and four, or excuse me, I guess one and three, one and three at this point, that they would be one and three, that one and three would somehow be good enough for first place uh, in the NFC East four weeks into the season, and that they would be tied with a team called the Washington football team. 
Um, I think that just speaks to how crazy 2020 has been in the NFL and otherwise that I am speaking those words on your podcast now. Well, speaking of 2020, we're now in the fourth quarter of 2020, and the joke uh, that's going all over social media is is, is, a mention, is a mention of the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, hope we are playing the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the only win that the Cowboys do have, uh, a game that the Atlanta Falcons pretty much gift-wrapped and handed to them. Pretty much. Now, now we really got to go over this game now. Ugh. Where to start? Um, I guess at the beginning. Yeah, Jarvis. You know, Browns driving driving up the field on a fake play. Jarvis Landry to Odell Beckham Jr. A little former LSU uh, Tigers connection. We get torched, and quite frankly, I, sh- I should honestly say Odell Beckham Jr. relived some memories of his days with the New York Giants, torturing the Cowboys defense because that's exactly what he did today. <laughs> I gotta agree with you there. Uh, uh, Beckham's career has been fairly lackluster since he left New York for Cleveland, but he found his mojo today. That was the first of three touchdowns that he established there on that drive, just like that right out the gate at 7 nothing Cleveland. I mean, it, it, it's absolutely humiliating. I mean, 333 yards of total offense at, after the first half for the freaking Browns, okay? That was actually a record for the Browns. You know, and, and I'm, taking, I'm taking a look at this right here, right now, all right? As I can pull up on my phone, is that this is the this was the first time that the Browns scored twenty eight points in a first half of a game since nineteen ninety one. Okay, and, and what's what's funny, folks, is last time they did that, Grant and I weren't even born. Yeah, you and I, uh, you and I were not of this world, and we were not football fans. And furthermore, something else: the Cleveland Browns team that did that is now the Baltimore Ravens. It. Uh, wasn't even the team that you see today, the one that was reestablished in the late 90s. And so, uh, yeah, speaks to uh, speaks to the kind of drought that the Browns have had and uh, what they were able to do against the Cowboys today when the last time that this was done in the history of their franchise was with a completely different team. I mean, it just goes to show how pathetic our defense is. And it might sound harsh that I'm saying pathetic, but look, guys, you know, I, I don't sugarcoat it. The Cowboys defense is... Horrible. Horrible to the level we, we can say is they are pathetic. Okay. Okay, the, the Browns running game. 307 yards. The most yards that the Cowboys allowed in franchise history. And the Cowboys now being 1-3, the last time they were 1-3 was 10 years ago. And that year they finished 6-10. and 10. What's so ironic is that year, that led to the firing of Wade Phillips. Yeah. <coughs> Oh boy, it, it was just, it wasn't a good year uh, in 2010. They're not off to a good start. Uh, and as historically, we know that most teams that get off to this kind of start do not make the playoffs. But the reality in the NFC East is that mathematically, at least one of the teams that got off to this one and three start or worse is going to have to win the division and go to the postseason. Yeah. So, the, and the Cowboys still have a chance, but we'll get to that soon. But we got we got to talk about this defense. I mean, it's not just you know getting burned on defense. It's these dumb penalties, man. These stupid little penalties. I mean, one penalty ruins everything. And what's so frustrating is that the Cowboys on third down, the defense on third down would always allow another first down. I'm like, come on, guys, enough. 
Get it done. Well, tackle the guy, for God's sake. They couldn't do well, anything. Couldn't tackle. Couldn't cover. Couldn't put pressure. Nothing was positive from this Cowboys defense today. What okay. I know uh, about this running game in particular is that the first guy to make contact with the runner could never bring the running back down. Uh, I mean, how, uh, how the Browns' offensive line was able to clear passages so that they got yards before contact is a different story. But, um, you know, these, these Browns running backs, uh, which they largely did by committee throughout most of the game, I think despite their historic day, they didn't have a single running back go over 100 yards. Um, quite a bit of the ground that was gained was yards after contact. Uh, the defenders are getting there, and they're not wrapping these guys up. They're not uh, getting them low on center of gravity. They're not getting their arms around the guys and making good, clean tackles in open space. Uh, the Browns players are simply breaking tackles left and right. They're finding the open field, and when they get there, they excel. It's usually someone in the secondary that would have to bring them down. And that's just bad fundamentals right there. There's not anything you can scheme for that to fix. Um, it's just stuff that hasn't been worked on in practice and – is a basic uh, basic aspect of the game that the Cowboys failed in today. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. I mean, we allowed 33 first downs. But on a positive note, the offense had 35. But to allow 33 first downs, aver allowing an average of 7 yards per play, I mean, we, we, we couldn't even force a turnover. And that's what I said in the preview. If we don't force turnovers, we're not going to win. And the Cowboys only have one this year, but quite frankly, they should have zero because the one turnover that they did have in week one against the Rams should not have counted. So the way I see it, really, the Cowboys have no turnovers. Yeah, that's uh, another critical aspect of football. Anyone that's followed this game for a good long time, you don't win very many games where you don't win the turnover battle. And so a defense that's not taking the ball away on any kind of consistent basis is relying on on their offense to be flawless in that regard in order to win or uh, level the turnover battle. And so this defense is simply not getting their, uh, frankly, historic offense any help. Uh, as good as Dak Prescott and those receivers have been, it hasn't been good enough to win games. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's just unbelievable. And, but now, we've, we've, and you know, Demarcus Lawrence, in a sense, he did kind of show up today. I mean, he did have at least two tackles for a loss. He hasn't gotten to the quarterback yet, as far as I know. But overall, DeMarcus Lawrence is having a horrible year so far. Yeah, one of the bigger criticisms and one of the most targeted players on the team that I see in social media and otherwise has been DeMarcus Lawrence. Uh, there's been a lot of talk that he's been one of the classic Cowboys players of the past year and a half. He's another Miles Austin. He's another Des Bryant. He's another who-have-you that signed their massive contract, got their big payday, and was never heard from again. He really needed to do something today to silence those critics a little bit. I think he had a decent day, all things considered, um, uh, at least from an individual effort standpoint. Now, obviously, the defense as an overall whole got shredded, and uh, he, as bad as they played, bears some accountability for that. But if he's going to look into getting his season turned around and get those statistics in his favor, uh, he's got to start somewhere. And I think he got his foot in the door today. Well, based on what you describe, is I would say, huh, that makes me think of Jalen. Jalen Smith. A guy who got paid. And what has he done since? 
Nothing. Uh, I mean, except getting burned and committing turnovers. I mean, it's Jalen is such a Jalen is such an interesting story. Everyone, uh, everyone who's a Cowboy fan, and most people I'd say that are even football fans, know the story of Jalen Smith that he. Uh, suffered a potentially career-threatening injury in his last game of college that the Cowboys took a chance on him when they knew he wouldn't be able to play in his inaugural season. They frankly didn't know if he'd ever be able to play again, and especially not at an elite level. He uh, makes his appearance, uh, makes a name for himself these past couple of seasons, uh, gets his contract done, and like you said, it's uh, it's been a lot of no-showing for Jalen Smith. And when you have heard his name called, it hasn't been for good reasons. Uh, will that continue? I don't know. He strikes me as the kind of character guy that, uh, that he really loves the game of football. Uh, he's not just here to get paid. He really, truly is passionate about his craft. And so I expect that his game is going to improve. I think he's got the drive to uh, uh, the drive and the passion to work at correcting those errors in his game. Um, I, I personally think he really was one of the guys that suffered from not having a traditional training camp. Um, so I think he, a lot of his slow start can be attributed to that. It'll be interesting to see in these coming weeks if he can get that ship righted. Well, I hope so because despite the fact that he's really been breaking my heart and disappointing me, I still believe in Jalen. I mean, his story makes me cry. You know, his knee, the way his knee was destroyed, I mean, there was nerve damage. His knee's mm-hmm. still not, I mean, even though his knee is fully healed, I'm sure it's it, it's it's repaired and it's doing well. I mean, let's, let's be honest. It's not the same as it was before. I mean, that's what happens when you have a major knee injury, but that doesn't matter. You're right, he does have passion. He loves the game. And honestly, look, he is trying his best. He's just having problems. But it's not just him. It's the entire defense. It's the entire defense. Yeah, there's... There's no one person you can point at and say that they were accountable for the disaster that we saw today. There are plenty of guilty parties, sure. Yes, some of the big names are underachieving. Uh, uh, some others, like uh, Leighton Vander Esch, are out with injury. But when a defense plays this bad, regardless of who your personnel is, on some level, every single guy in that field shoulders some accountability, and so does the coaching. Um, we talked about how... Uh, you know, we but we personally think it's too soon to make any kind of judgment on what type of uh, what type of show Mike McCarthy is going to run. But we may need to we may need to talk about these assistant coaches and these defensive coordinators for a second because um, obviously they're getting used to a new system as well. Hopefully, that's what most of the struggles can be attributed to because if this is what we can expect from the Cowboys all season long. It has the potential to be a really long year. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, the the bright side is if if we go one one in fifteen, bright side is we have a high draft pick. <laughs> but honestly, I'm like, no, I'm not. How can I be imagining that? I mean, come on, I don't think we'll be that bad. But yes, we do got to talk about the coaches. I mean, Mike Nolan is the Cowboys' defensive coordinator, and he's a guy that Mike McCarthy knows very well. These guys have worked together, so. When he was brought in and I saw that those guys know each other, they trust each other, I was like, okay, this might work out. I mean, if these guys are on the same page, that's what the Cowboys need. They need coach. Everybody needs to be on the same page. That hasn't been that way in, in like 10 years. We need to make some changes. 
so far this defense, I mean, look, you know, allowing 49 points. I mean, we've allowed probably nearly 150 points in the, in the first four games. I mean, that's humiliating. Yeah, it's not a good situation for the team to be in. And without question, it's something that they're going to have to get in the film room. They're going to have to look at what is going on. They're going to have to work on the fundamentals like we talked about with basic tackling. They're going to have to look at who's not filling their gaps. And they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to really look at, you know, what each and every one of them is doing. You know, how can they rely on their teammates in certain situations and how do they react accordingly? The players have got to do it. The coaches have got to do it. It's going to be a team effort. And I think that whether they can get it together or not is what's going to make or break the Cowboys this season. Yes, and speaking of fundamentals, but the first thing they got, they got to look is tackle. Tackle, tackle, tackle. Do not get burned. You know, play sublime defense because allowing 24 points in a quarter is unacceptable. Absolutely. Well, so we've we've talked about the defense uh, mostly so far, uh, which is was one of the uh, uh, well the biggest culprit and why the Cowboys lost. It's been a big downer through four weeks this season, and you expect to talk about the negative things uh, following a loss. But let's talk about some of the positives. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about that offense a little bit. Um, even though it is not translating into wins, the Cowboys offensive scheme so far has been prolific. Uh, Dak Prescott finishing with over 500 passing yards, third straight game in which he's finished with over 450. Uh, he looks like he is making a bid to get that big payday that, uh, the press and all the rumor mills, uh, seem to keep thinking he's asking for. And then uh, how about C.D. Lamb getting his first touchdown of his professional career? Uh, Alex, um, four, four weeks in, four games in, I don't know if that's a big enough sample size to really determine uh, the manner of what a player is going to be over the scope of their career. But so far, uh, how would you grade C.D. Lamb as a draft pick? I give him an, I'm an A. But first of all, let me, let me say this. The drafting of C.D. Lamb, in my opinion – is the way to make up for passing on Randy Moss back in 1998. I'm just going to say that out of the out of the blue. I don't know if people agree with me or not, but drafting C.D. Lamb was probably the one. It was is a more. I mean, I was more excited about the C.D. Lamb pick than the than the Des Bryant pick ten years ago. I'm not exaggerating. I'm dead serious. I remember being pretty excited about it. I remember sending my mom the Lamb emojis, the cowboy hats, thinking, "Wow, you know." We were looking at this guy all night long, but we never thought he'd fall into our lap. And I'm sure Jerry and Stephen Jones felt the exact same thing when they saw uh, someone with his playmaking ability sitting there when their pick was on the clock. They simply couldn't pass him up. And uh, you gave him an A. I think I think I'm right there with you. I think uh, I think uh, he's pretty much done everything he could possibly be asked to do. He's had uh, really good games in terms of yardage the first three weeks. This week gets his first touchdown. Um, Cowboys had him two, by the way. He got two. He had two, two this week. So he's off to a real hot start now. Uh, He's got a taste for that end zone. But uh, Cowboys had him running some end arounds. A lot of what the Cowboys did today ran through C.D. Lamb. He's uh, pretty much been able to handle everything that the team has asked him to do. See, and I love that. And CeeDee Lamb is transitioning to the style of NFL football because in, in his first two games, okay, I mean, I, I'm not even kidding. People were criticizing him. Oh, he should have scored already. I'm like, okay, guys, stop. I get it. 
He went to Oklahoma. He was the best receiver in college. I'm like, but it's not easy to go from college football to the pros. You're in a whole different world. You're in a, It's not the same. And, and like I said, I mean, look, Rome was not built in a day. Do you really think a guy is going to become a superstar in one freaking game? I mean, come on. I mean, come on. You know football. Football's a tough sport. You don't become a star in one. It, it doesn't take one game to become a star. I mean, did Peyton Manning become a star in one year? I mean, did Tom Brady do the same thing? What about Troy Aikman? Roger Staubach? I mean, the list goes on. You got to build yourself, y'all. I mean, these football fans today, I mean, I don't know if it's football fans in general, but there are some football fans who just don't get it, how it goes. They want the guy to be good in just one day. I mean, guys, seriously, think about think about what you're saying. Think about what I'm saying. You got to build. You got to improve. You got to learn. Yeah, I think that can be said about a lot of fans in all pro sports in, in general. Uh, when, uh, when the uh, Atlanta Hawks uh, traded Luka Doncic for Trey Young, uh, they were ready to send Trey out of town on a rail even before they really gave him a chance. And while Trey might not quite be Luka, he's, he's done all right. He's done okay over there in Atlanta. Well, the Mavericks did what had to be done. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm getting off subject, yeah, but when we got Luka, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I was like, this might be the most exciting draft pick, Mavericks draft pick ever. But, but now while we're back on the offense... CeeDee Lamb is only going to get better. I can't wait to see him against the New York Giants. And I and I have a feeling, now, and I am going to preview the, the, the New York Giants with my good friend Wiley, a.k.a. the Ven Mystere. I know the, the fan base that follows this show knows him very well. I'm sure they're excited to hear what he's going to have to say. But I feel like CeeDee Lamb's going to have a hell of a game against the Giants. I don't know why, I, but I just, I just feel that way. I mean, it's just a feeling I have in me. Maybe it's because I believe in this guy, and, and I'm a huge fan of this guy. I mean... See, right now I'm debating, and this is what person I'm debating, should I get an Amari jersey or should I get the CeeDee Lamb jersey? I don't think you could go wrong with either one because I'm right there with you. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and make that my formal prediction for next week. I think CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper both go off against New York next week. Uh, the Cowboys, while they're 1-3 records, certainly, uh, certainly speaks volumes. It is worth pointing out that – the three losses are to the Seattle Seahawks, the Cleveland Browns, and the L.A. Rams, which I'm pulling up the uh, standings on my phone right now. Uh, looking at those teams from a strictly record perspective, they've lost to some pretty respectable teams. Those three teams now are a combined 10-2. So... The Cowboys, yes, 1-3 and three is a really, really bad record to start off with in the first four games, but at least some of that can be attributed to playing against stellar competition. Exactly, and, and look, it's, and, only, it's only four games this season. I mean, I, I am in a little bit of a panic mode. I mean, the, the, the fan perspective of me is, but but you know me well. I mean, there's the fan perspective and there's the sports writer's perspective, and that's what I'm in right now. I'm in the sports writer's perspective, but still, no need to panic. I mean, look. We're one and three. We could be zero and four, but you know the offense is as great as it is. Look, but you know as long as the offense dominates. But the the problem with the offense is they need to skyrocket immediately. They cannot waste any time, Grant. They have to be dominant as soon as they step on that gridiron. They can't be like they were the last two weeks, like dom- like finally come alive in the fourth quarter. I mean, I agree. Today we saw them score two touchdowns early. We're thinking, all right, we're going to have us a good old fashioned shootout here on uh, on Fox Sports Football. 
And in the second quarter, uh, in the third quarter as well, um, they completely drew a blank, and they didn't show up until the fourth quarter. By then, uh, there was too little margin for error, a couple key mistakes, letting Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, break one for a TD on an end around and throwing a critical interception at the end was all it took to sink the ship. Well, and, and so, and we're, we're going to get to that, but we have to talk about what, what built to it. And okay, well, yes, you know you're right. We we had momentum at first, but you know what? You know what killed the momentum early in the game, Grant? Is is that Dak Prescott did something that's unfortunately he's known for doing when he's under pressure. He fumbled the ball. Now, look, I get it. Now, this one was not. You can't blame it on him because you know he was. You know he was hit from behind. That's, by Miles. Yeah. Yeah, by Miles, uh, by Miles Garrett, a uh, uh, Texas native, you know, a former uh, Texas A&M uh, star. That happened, but you know the problem is with the Cowboys this year. Every time they've committed a turnover, it has led to points. I think that today. I mean, I, I don't know if it was coming into this game or if it's after this game, but I know that this season the the Cowboys have allowed their opponents to score at least thirty eight points off turnovers. That's been after each one. And that goes back to and tying into uh, talking about just how lackluster this defense has been. Yes, the offense, you know, your your number one priority as an offense is to take care of the ball. You don't want to put your defense into those situations. But that being said, there's not a quarterback that's ever played the game that can say they've never thrown an interception. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana, the greats of all time. Not a single one of them ever had a season where they didn't throw a single interception. It's going to happen. Turnovers are a part of the game, and when they do happen, you've got to be able to rely on your defense to come in on a short field and bail you out and minimize the damage, and this defense hadn't been able to do that. In other words, Dak Prescott simply does not have the support. It's not the situation of teamwork, and that's why, but... But uh, but also but so we talked about we talked about Ceedee Lamb we we got to talk a bit about Amari Cooper because because before this game I mean Amari Cooper had finally scored his first t- touchdown of the, of the season and I kid you not before this game everybody was like Ooh, you should have scored already I'm like guys I mean seriously okay, okay you know what let me just come straight to the point on this I'll admit there are, there are fans that really drive me crazy because they're they're throwing a bunch of crap out there. They're exaggerating. I mean, they're acting like a bunch of little kids. That, you know, that are begging for their ice cream and they're not getting it. Look, Amari doesn't have to score touchdowns to fulfill his contractual obligations. As long as he's making big catches and he's you know running that and he's doing that, that's good enough. I mean, scoring is great, but as long as he's helping the offense get to where he needs to be, he's making an impact. Then that's it. He doesn't. Amari- ha- yeah, he, he doesn't to make to score verdict. particularly. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, Amari and CeeDee Lamb, you bring those guys in to make the ball go vertical and to stretch the field. You know, when you get into those situations down by the end zone, uh, it's, you know, first and goal from the one, first and goal from the three. You give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott in those situations plenty of the time. Or as we've seen in recent weeks, you just let Dak run it in himself. You know, mm-hmm. that's why... I mean, I think that accounts for a lot of why up until this game we haven't seen Lamb and Cooper do a lot of scoring. They get the team into that position, but then it tees up Elliott and Prescott to punch the ball in and get credit for the TD. I mean, that's, um, that's fine with me because at the end of the day, even though they get credit for scoring, we all know that Amari and CD are the reason why they got there in the first place. So, 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 so the first credit has to go to those two. 
Yeah, so I'm inclined to agree with you there. I don't think uh, I don't think their lack of getting into the end zone is indicative of them not having good seasons thus far. Uh, it's just thankful that they were able to get on uh, get some TDs into their stat sheet today. But I do want to talk a little bit about the aforementioned Dak Prescott. Um, so he's the one distributing the ball to these two. He's been doing a great job of it. Uh, he seems to have adapted quite nicely to Mike McCarthy's scheme. And so um, even though it is not translating into wins, we noted earlier this was a, a record-setting third straight performance uh, with 450-plus passing yards. Um, the subject of the offseason uh, throughout all Dallas Cowboys media that dominated headlines was the contract talks between the Cowboys front office and a quarterback, Dak Prescott. Um, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of, of talk on why a deal wasn't getting done. Did he want too much money? Did the Cowboys want too many years? Um, is he worth what he's asking for? Is he not worth what he's asking for because he hasn't taken him on a deep playoff run or because he hasn't shown up in certain games? Um, four games in, Alex, I want to get your opinion. Where do you think... Dak stands or what do you think he's done to help his case to justify why he deserves that big contract well number one let me say for the record he does not deserve 40 million dollars but and honestly and honestly the fact that he's turned down at least three deals that honestly made me lose a little bit of respect but I don't want to get too deep into that look Prescott is a good quarterback I've criticized him before because because of the fact that he's not great with deep passes because he overthrows or he underthrows his mechanics and accuracy are not always there. I've had my fair share of criticizing him. But when he does actually good things, I go back on my own word and admit that I was wrong. Okay, Prescott is good, but he, and he has but he has the potential to get better. So the question is, can he get better? But it, it's just a, the answer is, is all we can do is wait and see. But the problem with Prescott is, as good as he is and he's putting up these great numbers, He's not, he, last, I mean, going back to last year, he only did good against bad teams. I mean, are we going to pay a player that, that only does well against bad teams but struggles against good teams? That's not how it works. Uh, as, we, as we talked about just a moment ago, though, uh, a big reason, a big contributing factor to why these Cowboys are 1-3 is because of the quality of the competition that they've faced. Uh, Dak, in these, uh, these last three weeks, has put up these kinds of passing yards against the Atlanta Falcons, who I think are better than their record, but as as the memes suggest, they are notorious for blowing leads, for choking away games that they should lock down and win. He did it against the Falcons, did it last week against a stellar Seahawks team, uh, did it again this week against what we believe uh, is going to finally be a quality Browns team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be... I think this is going to end up being some pretty strong leverage for Prescott at the end of this season when he's sitting at the table with Jerry and Stephen Jones. He's going to be able to point back to these games and say, look, you know, I did something nobody's ever done before, and I did it against some pretty quality opponents. You see, if he proves by the end of the year that he deserves $40 million, I'm going to shut my mouth and say he's proved it. There's nothing else to say. So far, he had the, the game against had the okay. The Browns' defense is actually pretty damn good. I mean, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett. I mean, the Browns' defense has sound. So, and he had a good game against a good defense. So Prescott, 
finally had a game where he actually he can prove that he can play good against good teams. But that's and that's one game. So the question is, can he keep doing it? If he were to do this against the Ravens this year, or against all these other good teams that we play, uh, I have to take a look at the schedule. If he can prove it, then fine. But what Prescott needs to do is look. He's doing all this. He's got momentum. He needs to understand. Make it a bit easier for the Cowboys to to keep you. Like, try to do something to where both sides can agree and keep the stress as low as possible. Because if Prescott goes someplace else, he may not have that momentum or and the success that he, that, that he had here in Dallas. So I would tell him to keep that in consideration. You you want to stay in Dallas, but you you, you got to do you, you got to think more and you got to understand like. You, they need money to, to re-sign Michael Gallup. They're definitely going to need money to, to, to re-sign C.D. Lamb. So if, if Prescott is the captain and a team player, he's going to understand. He's got to make some considerations that he's got to help the fact that these other guys need to stay so he can keep that momentum alive. And that is actually something I would like to touch on as well, Alex, what you just said, that the Cowboys are going to need other pieces around Dak Prescott. We've talked about how well he's done but in spite of that, they're still losing, and therein lies the oxymoron of this contract dispute. As well as Dak's done, it has been proven throughout this season that his stellar performance is not enough to propel this team to wins, and if they do, in fact, give him that big contract, that's going to put a big wrench in being able to bring in other quality players around him to help this team succeed. Exactly. That's what I fear. If we pay Prescott too much money, we're going to lose CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, and that would be absolutely disastrous. I mean, you know, and speaking of these contract negotiations, I have to praise Amari Cooper, like praise the dude, because he did not make it difficult to resign. He did not make excessive demands. He just said, I mean, I don't even know how long it took them from this time. And, and, you know, obviously, and I, and I got to bring this up. It, it, is, it is pretty funny because the Washington football team did, in fact, offer him more money. I mean, I don't. I don't know how much more. And he just, just out of the blue, he says, "Nah, I'm staying in Texas." <laughs> I mean, yep. some people will say, "Well, nobody wants to play for Washington." Okay, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't the reason. Well, number one is he was already committed and he already agreed to a deal. And I'm sure that he thought, like, "Yeah, I don't want to move to the D.C. area because you know the cost of living there is high, from what I understand." But, but to wrap this up, the thing about Dak is like, look, he's good. But he's not Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, okay, you know what? I, th- I think it's honestly fair to say no one's ever going to have De- Patrick Mahomes' kind of contract. You know, but no, the, and I, Prescott's got to understand. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not a young Tom Brady. You know, there's a lot of things he's got to prove if he want, want that money. So he's got to understand. He's got to limit those standards. He's got to really think about it. He's got to be a little bit more humble and understand that he. While he deserves to be paid in some way, he's got to help out the cause because he knows he's gonna. They, they need to keep the guys like Ceedee Lamb and Noah and Noah and Michael Gallup. Yep, he's got to have those pieces around him. I think he's uh, uh, so far this season he's made a pretty good bid to prove to the Cowboys that he does earn that contract. But like you said, consistency is the name of the game. He's uh, done this against three pretty impressive opponents, but can he do it? against those teams like the Ravens? Can he do it against the hated division rivals, one of which they're going to play next week? Which uh, brings me uh, to the next thing I think we should talk about, which is where 
are the Cowboys going to go from here? I'm, I'm on a time crunch, so I'm going to have to go here pretty soon. But I want to I talk a little bit about next week and the, uh, the outlook for the season after this game. So like we discussed, um, as bad of a start as this has been in terms of record and in terms of defense, this is the kind of start that sinks most teams. Usually one and three is too big of a hole to climb out of, and yet here the Cowboys sit atop the uh, NFC East division tied with the Washington football team. They've got a winless division rival um, on the slate for next week. Alex, um, what do we think? What do we think about this game? Maybe some predictions. Well, I'm not going to go too deep because, uh, you know, uh, if, if you listen to the show, I always do the previews. So I do my official predictions on that. But if you want something, some early predictions, is well, first of all, there's some things that we forgot to mention. Ezekiel Elliott, he has yet to rush for 100 yards in a game this year. That is not good, especially the fact that he's being paid. So, do you think that next week? Yes. that's So if, if you want a prediction, I'll make one. I think Zeke Elliott is finally going to have his first 100-yard game against the New York Giants. I I agree with you. Um, like I said earlier, I think uh, I think that offense really, really, really has a field day next week. I think Dak gets the ball in the hands of these receivers. They continue to do what they've done. I think Zeke finally breaks that century mark. And um, I really expect the Cowboys to begin getting this ship righted starting next week against a weak New York Giants team. No disrespect to them, but they really are the worst of the worst in a weak NFC East division. And as bad as the Cowboys' defense has been, I don't think the Giants are going to have any answers for this offense. I expect the Cowboys to get a win next week, and hopefully from there they can start to piece together the things that make them successful and uh, begin to string some wins together here and have a pretty successful season. Well, first of all, not so fast. I mean, based on how disoriented and – how unorganized this defense is. I mean, even Daniel Jones can be capable of absolute destruction. But since we're let's go, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. But we gotta talk about how the the closing of this Cowboys and Browns game because the Cowboys managed to score twenty four points of their own in the in the fourth quarter until something happened. So they score and then okay, onside kick or kickoff. That was the game changer, if you ask me. So they decided to do some sort of weird kick. And it gave the Browns tremendous, tremendous field position. And on that play, they do that fake sweep to Odell Beckham Jr. And as you know, as you mentioned earlier, he managed to run all the way to score. And what's sad is Alan Smith was right there to make the tackle, but he could not do it. He could not do it. And then um, that was humiliating. I've spoken a few times uh, so already about the uh, inability of this defense to make tackles, and of course this is yet another example. And in the fourth quarter, it was the most crippling example. Odell Beckham Jr. is a hard guy to bring down in the open field. Uh, I don't know if I can wholly blame Alden Smith for not being able to get him down, especially after the long break he had from football, but somebody, somebody in that secondary has got to get that guy on the ground and you know, keep the momentum alive. You know, you've just scored 24 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. There's enough time left on the clock to complete your comeback. I'm with you. I really don't know how I feel about that bizarre kick that they attempted as opposed to just kicking it off and trusting the defense to continue that streak of, um, 
you know, of good possessions that they had going after their abysmal start to the game. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um so who knows? Who knows what would have happened if they had gone with a traditional kickoff? Who knows what happens if Alden Smith is able to make that tackle in the backfield? Uh, we'll never get to know. Uh, in the end, the Browns get the backbreaker and they hold on for the W. They do, and you know what? And let me answer the question. You said because they trusted their defense. That's well. You know what? They did not obviously trust that defense, so they made that risk, but it ultimately backfired. It ultimately backfired, and that, again, speaks volumes to how little, uh, like you said, how little Mike McCarthy and uh, this coaching staff does trust that defense. <sighs> it's not good. If if the Cowboys have a, I'm not even going to say good defense, if they've got an average defense, or let's go one better, if they even have an awful defense, because today the Cowboys' defense was heinous. It, just outright terrible. If they improve that defense from heinous to merely awful, I think the Cowboys have a chance to win this game. And maybe, just maybe, Mike McCarthy and these coaches have faith in them to be able to stop the Browns one more time in that fourth quarter instead of attempting that kick. Question is, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Nothing to be done here. You're just going to have to move on and do it next week against the Gents. And since now we're starting NFC East play, the best thing to say is shit just got real. Indeed it has. We'll see next week. We will see next week, and that wraps up the recap of the Cowboys versus Browns game. I'd like to remind each and every one of you loyal listeners that this is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon music. Tune in next week as Wiley, a.k.a. The Venomous Stare, a fan favorite of a guest on this show, will appear to both preview and recap the game against the New York Giants. So you better look sharp, you better brace yourselves, because Wiley is not going to sugarcoat nothing. He is going to tear it up. Grant, thank you so much for joining me. I hope to have you back on the show. It was an honor to have you on. Alex, you have yourself a great evening. Thanks for having me on, and I'll see you next time. Have a good night, everybody.